I'm Tanaya Fouch, and I'm a biology major on the pre-med track at the University of Alabama. And I'm Stryker Wiley. I'm a chemical engineering major at the University of Alabama. Um, today we have Dr. Jared Allred with us. He obtained his PhD from Princeton University in 2012, and he is now a professor at the University of Alabama. His research group specializes in the discovery and characterization of new inorganic materials with functional properties. start with the opening question. Okay, so how and when did you get into research? Um, so I started doing like, uh, as I said, you know, like the research that you think of an academic setting as a undergrad, you know, uh, I guess my sophomore year. So it's usually, if you're a science major, uh, you usually try to do it like in the end of your sophomore year to get started. So I was in the chemistry program at the time and uh, I was working, you know, I was working with this guy, so I was at Case Western Reserve University, it's up in Ohio, and uh, we were doing, he was making like um, films of titanium dioxide, TiO2, and then they were inter, you know, introducing different kinds of elements on the oxygen site to, to change it up, and so he basically just had me like making pastes and stuff and like making little films. So that was like my first, like first experience with research. But I don't, you know, that's more like you're kind of just showing up and being told what to do. So I think my first time was really like, actually like, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, somewhat self-directed and, and going on a real project was, well, you know, once I started my PhD, um, and that was, obviously that's the entire point. And so that, that was in solid state chemistry. Um, and so that, you know, that was, a, um, I may be a little bit off the topic here, so. The question was like, how, like when or how or how and how, like when did how. you get into it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. I guess it's hard to come with like a, exactly. Like, it's you know, I guess it's sort of the career path, right? You know, you mm -hmm. have to do it. So, but it's what I wanted to do. Um, for that particular kind of research, it was um, I was always really interested in how atoms are arranged in solids, how they're bonded, how you get like a crystal, where, where does the crystal structure come from, how the atoms are bonded together, and that's something that solid state chemists do, and I was just really kind of fascinated with a lot of this different stuff, and so the guy I was working with with my PhD, that was, he's like one of the best people in the world at doing that for this stuff, kind of stuff, and so like, we just, I feel like we just kind of hit it off, and that's how I, I uh, got into that. Okay, so would you say like, um, having him as kind of like a guide, did that lead you into wanting to research magnetism and uh, just kind of molecular bonding more? Yeah, I, I think the magnetism side for sure. Um, I didn't really have like magnetism side I was interested in mm -hmm. as, a, as a younger person. So yeah, I guess more interested just an in idea of bonding. Uh, but you mentioned molecular stuff, and these aren't really molecular, but you're maybe thinking like molecular orbital theory. Yeah. Oh. And, and, uh, that is definitely the kind of idea, like the theory behind it, mm -hmm. was something I was very interested in coming in. But I didn't really know how to apply it to like problems that really mattered. And so that's really where, you know, what I learned from him was how do you like really look at what are, what are the questions people are asking now, what's the conversation in the, in the science fields that the, the different people are working in, and, and how, how can you understand those questions and, and see where you can kind of contribute to 
to learning. So magnetism was one example because that's something he did. And so then I started understanding the problems better and getting really interested in them. Okay. And then I was, I was reading a couple of the bios that kind of popped up as I was searching a little bit about you and your research. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably a little out of date. I need updates a little okay. bit. Well, in one of them, it said that... Um, it said one po- you said one point of a that magnetism was as one point of a rich tapestry oh, yeah. of the interconnected properties. Can yeah. You, can you kind of expand on that? Cause so so have you taken chemistry too? I'm in organic chemistry okay, right okay, now. Okay, so you've already taken some chemistry before. Mm-hmm. So you know about like paramagnetic and diamagnetic and like unpaired electrons, right? Um, in a solid, when we say something's magnetic, what we mean is that the magnetic spins of the electrons are ordered, meaning if one's got an unpaired spin, it's doing something somewhere, then the next one over sees its neighbor and chooses what it's doing based on that one. So if you don't, I know you won't have a recording of this, but if you don't mind me drawing it. You know, a magnetic ordering means like if I have an atom here and there's electrons that are unpaired and they, they have a particular orientation with their spin, the next one over might have a do something like that, and it just is long range. It just seems to go on forever. So this would be called an anti-ferromagnet because half of them are one way and half the other, so they're anti with respect to each other. So it's an anti-ferromagnet. Ferromagnet is like iron; all of them are in the same direction. So that is what we call an electronic ground state. It's a it's a low energy state that you form. It's lower energy and it's all of them are random. If they're random but unpaired, that's a paramagnet. So this is an ordering you can get, lowering the energy. But let's say, um, you know, this depends on a very specific balance of bonding and stuff to get this. Let's say you do something that starts, I don't know, maybe eating up some of these electrons into bonds or something. You don't have as many to start pairing up. Well, maybe that's going to weak this fer- weaken the ferromagnetic ordering. And it doesn't happen, but you still then the energy is going to go up though, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe they can find another thing to do to, to order and change the energy again and find a new ground state. And that might not be a magnetic ground state; it might be something else. Okay. And so, for example, there's things called metal dense later transitions where the electrons are unpaired and it tends to be metallic. You know, there's no gap between those states like I showed you guys in class. I don't know if you remember the cadmium stuff. So, you know, if you have states and there's orbitals and there's no gaps between them making the metal, you don't need energy to excite the electrons for conduction. Well, what if you have that, but then all of them pair up into bonds and now you suddenly have gaps between the states? Well, now it's not a metal anymore. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that happens. You suppress some kind of ordering and you get another kind mm-hmm. that changes the properties. And, you know, from an application standpoint, you know, you can harness that to do stuff like make sense or or, or maybe you just want to understand how it works so you can you know, kind of push the science forward. But. Okay. So the, I, this is off topic for now here, but would you say that like uh, single bonded uh, atoms have kind of more of a stronger magnetic force than, let's say, double or triple, or is that a pretty broad statement to be saying? I don't, uh, so it's probably not the right way to go about the question. So the number of bonds has to do with um, how, you know, how many electrons are in states that are stabilizing the atoms being okay. shifted towards each other? Okay, so more, it's still more dependent on that. Yeah. 
Okay. Magnetic stuff's really kind of complicated how it interacts between them. Mm -hmm. And so bonding isn't really part of that. It's okay. It's a separate different direction. So, of course, with your research, you also have the Allred group. Um, yeah, yeah, so the research group, yeah. Okay, and I saw 30 publications. So, would you say without without the Allred group, um, how long do you think it would have taken to get to 30? Okay, so the 30 is, is over my whole career. Right? Okay. So here, I think it's about, we're at about um, 8 or 9. I don't know which ones are on there right now. Probably about 8 or 9 in the last 5 or 6 years. Um, so 30 would be since, you know, 20, I think, 08 was my first publication. Okay. Uh, and so a lot of those are, those are collaborations, right? So, mm -hmm. so you're a student, and you're working on your main project, but you're also helping other people, too, and you're working together. And so you end up on their publications. Maybe you helped write it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say, you know, I had, I had three papers as a Ph.D. student that were, like, my babies that I, you know, I did it everything basically there's a couple more that i contribute a lot to and then there's maybe another six or seven that i didn't do that much for and, and anyone who's in the field would know that because my name's in the middle and your name being in the middle of the authors means you didn't, usually means you didn't do very much but if you're the first name or the last name it means you did a lot okay. the first name is the, usually the student and the last one is usually the boss okay and the, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because if you look at the ones here, you know, the Dollar Group, mm -hmm. um, you'll see, you know, there's one or two that are collaborations with different groups. So again, I'm not the last name, I'm like the second to last, I'm helping out. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a good number that are my group, and you'll see that there'll be some students on the front, and I'll be the last name. So the students were the ones doing the work, that's right. So without them, nothing, nothing would have gotten done. Um, you need, you need, they, they're, it's their projects. I'm here guiding them. I'm here helping them know what the right questions to ask are. I, you know, I have my own projects that are funded. That I, I, I mean, they need, they need a project. They don't know where to start, even right. So I'm like, okay, well, here's some stuff to work on, and you can dig into it. And I, I spend a lot of time with them, teaching them and helping them set stuff up. But in the end, it's up to them to do it. And then. Uh... A lot of students know their professors do research, uh -huh. but I don't think they, and I do don't either, but understand the time balance that you put between doing classes and doing your research. Yeah. So about uh, how many classes do you teach throughout the day, and like, what's your time balance like between research and classes? So right now I'm on a, I'm on a single, I'm on a one teaching, so I'm, I'm teaching one course this semester, and uh, so that's four days a week. I teach Know, one class four days a week um, that takes you know it depends on whether it's a new class or not right now I've taught it before so it doesn't take um, it doesn't take the majority of my time it probably takes about a quarter 30% and then the rest of it's um, split between administrative stuff and and yeah research mostly is mentoring my students okay making sure they have what they need or helping maintain the lab um, and ideally, also, you know, submitting proposals and stuff, too. Um, we're still kind of, we're still in COVID. It's not as bad as it was a year ago, so a lot of stuff are really off the rails right now. We're still preparing things and trying to get them back to where they were before COVID. We're not back there yet, but we're working on it. All right. So, let's see. Um, so, do you want to? Sure. So, 
What do you want your research to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish? Well, I think that that's a good question. Um, I guess I have lots of wants, right? And not all of them are exact, are really the same kind of thing. Um, I would say, like, on the higher order level, when you're when you're just saying, okay, you know what, on paper, uh, I'm doing fundamental science, so I'm really trying to understand the world better, trying to help other people understand it better. I'm looking at known problems where we just don't understand the science cosmic works and I really want to help people do that so other people do right so the idea is that we're kind of pushing it forward um, that's really exciting for me when I can do that when I can actually make some contribution using my own perspective to, to attack something and then make some stuff measure some stuff and then show that yeah this is what's happening here that's what this is what I thought was happening and, and this is really what's happening and this is how we can understand it and then make suggestions on, on what to do next or, or what this means about some other things that, that maybe we don't understand very well. So for me, that's that's really exciting, right? And, that, and what does that accomplish overall? Well, you know, a lot of these stuff we're working on, it, the, the uh, term that the, I guess you call it like the marketing term that the sort of funding agencies came up with is called quantum materials. And, and the reason they did that is because there's a lot of different kinds of things that involve these like electronic orderings I mentioned sphere magnetism and superconductivity. And it's hard and a lot of people like me work and go between them. And how do you give a name to those things? And the idea is well these are all really complicated and they depend on these quantum mechanical interactions and they give these properties that you can't really understand unless you understand those interactions. So that's what the term comes from. And so for me, um, these are these are really important for reducing you know, energy consumption. Uh, they're really important for really just uh, yeah, kind of improving what we have in our devices and technologies. Trying to get away from you know, you know, any anywhere where we're wasting energy or, or anything like that. So that's sort of the higher order, the justification, right? Is, is, is trying to move forward on these kinds of things. I think on a personal level, though, for me, what just gets me excited is learning about. I don't know, like a new new structure. Crystal structure means like we have a way a different arrangement of the atoms. A lot of times you'll find things where the atoms are arranged in the same way with different atoms. So an example would be potassium chloride and sodium chloride have the same arrangement. You're just switching out elements, potassium and sodium. That's a really boring, simple one. But you can get some really complicated ones. And it's it's really fun for me to learn a new one. Maybe it's never been seen before, maybe it has, and somehow change it. And use that to again probe these these big picture problems. So for me, that's what really gets me excited is learning something new that I can then show my friends, right? You know, the other scientists who are working this up. Look, I shot, I saw this really cool thing. I think you'll like it. So I, I do think that that probably is something that motivates me a lot. Is it's just that kind of the solving puzzles and, and that, that kind of quest to, to see new things. All right. Okay. Well. Uh... That's all the questions that we had right. for you. Thank you so okay. much yeah. for your time. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>